0: Before we get started with this episode, I want to give a huge thanks to all our listeners who have followed Coronial for the last year. We wanted to give you a quick update that we will be taking a break over Christmas and New Year and returning with brand new episodes in February 2023.
1: This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody, to Coronial. I'm Alice. I'm Emma. And I'm Georgie. So today I'm going to be telling you about the inquest into the deaths of Miss Nicole Sonia Nyholt and Miss Margaret Louisa Clark. Nicole, who was 37, and Margaret, who was 82, both lived in Ravenshoe, a rural town 200 kilometres southwest of Cairns in far north Queensland. So this was a very small community. Basically, everyone knew each other. So everyone knew everyone who was involved okay. in this incident.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, oh, a 30 year old and an 80 year old, 37
1: year old and an 82 year old. Is that yeah.
0: mother yeah. and
2: daughter? Not grandmother they and daughter. Unrelated.
0: They're unrelated. Oh.
1: Yeah, they were in the same place at the yeah. same time. Okay. Yeah. okay. So on the 9th of June 2015, Mr. Brian Scott, who was 60 years old, left his home in his 1994 Toyota Land Cruiser. Witnesses saw him driving from his house away from the centre of town. Then, for an unknown reason, he turned around and went back towards the centre of town, down the main street, and he was travelling approximately 40 kilometres per hour. One of the witnesses said he smiled and nodded his head hello, but another witness said that his eyes looked vague and glassy and he had a strange look on his face. Other witnesses saw the Land Cruiser veer off the street, mount the footpath and travel through a park area, behind a toilet block for about 170 metres, hmm. before colliding with a 180 kilo gas bottle at the rear of the Serves You Right cafe. Oh,
0: no. Oh, this isn't going to go well. No. no.
1: So this collision caused the gas bottle to rupture and be forced through a concrete block wall into the kitchen of the cafe.
0: Wow. that's That's an impressive explosion. Yeah.
1: So the gas mixed with the oxygen in the air and ignited when it came into contact with the heat from the gas cooker in the kitchen. The subsequent explosion was estimated to reach a temperature of between 1,200 and 2,000 degrees Celsius. Wow. Yep. I can't even comprehend that, really. They're just numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, everything melted.
1: Yes, everything caught on fire inside that cafe. That's okay. That's
0: heat But he is not included in the title of this inquest. No, he is not. Interesting. Okay.
2: Assuming he
1: perished, he did not.
0: He did not because he's not included. His name has to be in the title yeah, if it's he's,
1: no. He, he didn't perish. Yep. I know, right? That's why like, I'm amazed. He was amazed. inside the car. But did the car did, not? Did the car not uh, enter into the building? A that little far? bit. Not not a huge amount. But it's I'm assuming the it propulsion. Yeah. It,
0: yeah, there was propulsion of the gas yeah, bottle. Like he wasn't
1: uninjured, but he.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like I assume that he hit it and it. The propulsion was in a forward trajectory, and so hence there was l- l- less impact on him. Yeah, that's right.
2: But
1: what happened to him? Was he conscious? Was he unconscious? <laughs> was <laughs> he just you wait. Out? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so inside the cafe were nineteen people, including two employees. One of the employees was Nicole Nyholt, who was managing the cafe for her parents, who owned it and were overseas at the time. Oh, devastating. Yeah. The other employee was a cook who was in the kitchen at the time of the accident. And yet they didn't perish. Correct. What? Okay. Eight residents of the Ravenshoe Respite Centre, including Margaret Clark, were having lunch in the cafe that day.
0: Oh, they were on, a, on an outing from the Respite Centre. Oh. Yes, and oh. just,
1: just wait. Uh, they were joined by three members of the Queensland Fire and Rescue Service. Who were delivering training at the respite centre that day, and had been invited to the cafe by the residents to join them for lunch. Oh, oh! And were they like on duty,
0: so therefore would have been the ones to respond on the day?
1: I don't think they would have been on. They wouldn't have, have been, been on duty if that, for, makes sense. Yeah, that purpose. Were doing, of yeah. being
2: called out, but if they were technically they would have been on duty that they were
1: delivering the training. Training. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. But they didn't have anything, like, they didn't have their truck with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was just them as people. So just before the accident, the cook was working at the oil fryer in the kitchen. The force of the collision caused hot oil to spill onto her, Mm. uh, and she noticed fire around her, but didn't know what had happened. Like, it was that quick. Oh, yeah. Like, it was only a couple of seconds between the car smashing into the cafe, and then the Mm. explosion happened. Uh, Everyone in the cafe sustained burns, varying from minor hand burns to burns between 10 and 60% of their body. Terrible.
2: 60%. Uh,
1: There's actually CCTV footage of the outside of the cafe when this happened.
0: And I assume it just looks like boom.
1: Yeah, it's like there's sort of like you can see where the car, it's not where the car impacts, but you can see that something happens because people are looking, and then all of a sudden there's this big fireball that comes out of the cafe.
0: Wow! And then
1: one of the QFS employees walks out of the cafe, and he's like, he's wearing his uniform, so you can yeah. see his uniform at the front. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around, and he has no shirt on his back.
0: Oh wow! And so, like, it, it just
1: blew off the back part of his shirt.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, does that mean that, like, it also wasn't
1: a sustained fire? It was no, just it a was very quick ignition, flash explosion, yep, fireball explosion, and then it, yeah sort of burnt itself out, I guess. I'm sure that things were still on fire a little yeah. bit, but it wasn't. There ready. wasn't, wasn't like enough a, structural fire. No. Though. There wasn't yeah. enough ignition source yeah. to keep it sustained. Okay. Because yeah, once that gas had been expelled and yep. ignited, yep. it was gone. Okay. So after the explosion, Mr. Scott was found unconscious inside the Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. So he was actually trapped in the car for a little while, but while he was being moved out of the car, he regained consciousness and seemed confused. Nicole managed to get out of the cafe herself. Somehow she managed to walk out, Mm -hmm. but had suffered burns to 90% of her body, Mm. with 80% being full thickness burns. So she was airlifted to Townsville Hospital for initial treatment and then was transferred to the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. So on the 12th of June, so three days later, Nicole's parents arrived home from overseas and went straight to the hospital. Nicole's treatment was soon after withdrawn and she passed away the same day. I'm glad her parents made it back. Yeah, and I think they kept her on life support until her parents came back. Exactly, for that. Yeah.
2: Oh, even seeing... seeing, Can you imagine seeing your child? She would have been so heavily bandaged, I imagine. Because all of her skin would have 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 needed to be uncovered. It would have been, but that would have been in itself distressing. Mm. So distressing. Oh. And yeah, like I guess her, pros and
0: cons, but, I, you know, yeah. it gives them their chance to say goodbye and stuff. Oh, yeah, of like, like it's you...
2: 100% what needed to be yeah. done, yeah. but, like,
1: it would just be so distressing to see that. Oh. So horrible. And her sister stayed with her the whole time mm-hmm. while she waited for, the, waited for the parents to come home, yeah. Oh, that's nice that she had someone with her. So Margaret was sent to Atherton Hospital via ambulance and was assessed to have burns to 45% of her body, with 37% being partial thickness. So hers weren't as bad. She was given initial treatment at Atherton Hospital and then transferred to Cairns Hospital. She was actually discharged from Cairns Hospital on the 10th of June, so the next day, and the Royal Flying Doctor Service transported her to the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital on the 11th of June.
2: because
1: mm-hmm. She was going to need more treatment, but she was, was stable. Yeah, okay. it was stable enough that they could discharge her. She was meant to be flown to Brisbane on the 10th of June, but there were weather delays, so they had to wait until the next day. So the next day, on the 12th of June, she had skin graft surgery, but then suffered from several complications, including systemic inflammatory response syndrome, atrial fibrillation, and failure of her clotting, respiratory, and kidney systems. Her pre-existing conditions of hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, and diabetes were thought to contribute to these complications, and she unfortunately passed away on the 14th of June. Yeah, I suppose that's another point of survivability. Would be dependent on, yeah, your
0: other health conditions as well, because diabetes would leave you at risk for infection.
2: Yeah. And your age as well. If you're older or very young, probably going to impact that as well.
1: So there were no issues with the building the cafe was in, and the gas cylinders were in a location which were compliant with the safety requirements at the time of the accident.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, The concrete block wall wasn't required to be able to withstand impact from a vehicle. So there were no issues from, like, the building safety or... Structural integrity, like etc. Yeah. And the cafe, yeah, was maintaining standards. Yeah. Okay. So Queensland police conducted a forensic crash unit investigation and found that the Land Cruiser had no mechanical defects. The car was in gear at the time of the accident, most likely third or fourth gear. This coroner found that Mr. Scott did not attempt to steer or decrease the speed of the vehicle before the accident, and the car travelled in an almost straight line from the road until it impacted the cafe.
2: Hmm.
1: So he was doing nothing, so presumably he's unconscious. Yeah, yeah. or having some sort of medical episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. So now I'll go into Mr. Scutt's medical history and his fitness to drive. Ah, mm. uh, right. Yes. Unfortunately, two key witnesses had passed away before the inquest started, Mr. Scutt himself uh, and also his GP. On a side oh, note, did they talk about how he passed away? Uh, yes, I'll get to that at the end. Okay. Yep. The GP had already provided a statement in response to some of the coroner's questions before his death, so there was some information. information. Yep. So Mr. Scott was treated by the GP, who was also from Ravenshoe, from 2000 to 2015. And just sort of as a side note, he'd undergone a kidney transplant in 1995. The, so patient. It was the Yeah, Mr. Oh, yeah. Scott. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so he was seeing medical professionals, you know, on a fairly regular basis yep. for follow-ups for that. Did they say why he needed the kidney transplant? No, it didn't. Okay. No. So on the 7th of March 2004, so 11 years before this accident, Mr. Scott was discovered collapsed and having a seizure on his kitchen floor by his son. When the ambulance arrived, he was disorientated and combative. A CT scan did not show a cause for the seizure, so the plan was for an EEG to be performed. While at the hospital, Mr. Scutt was told by two different doctors that he should not drive for six months. After being discharged from the hospital, a discharge summary was sent to the GP, but there's no actual record that the GP received it. So, he was not aware that he had been in hospital for this reason. Right, But that was 11 years prior? Yes. Okay. Mr. Scutt visited his GP on three occasions in the next two months, but those visits were unrelated to the seizure, and there was no record of them discussing his fitness to drive. It seems that Mr. Scutt did not tell his GP about the seizure, right. and the GP didn't receive the discharge summary so wasn't aware that oh. it had happened. Okay. Yeah. On the 4th of June, so a couple months later, Mr. Scott underwent an EEG, which was normal. He visited his GP on the 2nd of August and the clinical notes confirmed that the GP had received the EEG report and the seizure was discussed at that time. Okay. The GP stated that he probably didn't have a conversation with Mr. Scott about driving since the EEG was normal.
0: Yeah, and they said avoid it for six months. If no more seizures, if everything's normal, proceed with life.
1: So the guidelines at the time were that there should be a three to six month minimum non-driving period when a first seizure occurred, regardless of the test results, whether they came back normal or not. But this relied upon self-reporting or notification by the hospital or the GP, Mm -hmm. which did not happen. So the second seizure occurred on the 19th of May 2009. Okay, so like five years later? Yeah, five years later. Okay. When his history was taken by the paramedic, Mr. Scott denied having a seizure or ever having a seizure and did not want the ambulance to be there. However, his wife advised them of his seizure history. Mr. Scutt was taken to hospital and initially declined any further testing, but then agreed to an MRI, which was to be done at a later time. So we're going to do a referral for him. Yeah, to go have it go have it done. While in hospital, he told a doctor that he had only stopped driving for one month after the first seizure. Okay. His treating doctor advised Mr. Scutt not to drive until further notice and told him she would be notifying Transport and Main Roads of the seizure, Mm -hmm. but the formal notification to transport to main roads never actually happened. The GP clinic did receive the discharge summary from the hospital visit, but the MRI was never scheduled due to an error by the hospital and not following up the referral properly. It didn't really go into what exactly happened, but it got lost. But the GP did get the discharge summary. Oh, good. So the next GP visit was two days after discharge from the hospital and was for dizziness. There was no record in the notes that they discussed the recent seizure or that Mr. Scott told his GP about it. There was no evidence that the GP had read the discharged letter received by the clinic by the time of this visit. He may not have even had it by that point. It's yeah, only two days after it was discharged. Yeah. Uh, but the coroner found that the GP became aware of the letter sometime after that visit, but did not contact Mr. Scott for a revisit or to discuss his fitness to drive or the MRI. Okay. Yeah. The GP stated that this was because the hospital was organizing the MRI and the emergency doctor had already told him not to drive. The coroner was critical of the fact that the GP didn't follow up with Mr Scott after finding out about the second seizure. The coroner yeah. was sort of thinking like you've got this patient who's a long-term patient. He He's came not in super to see compliant. you recently, yeah, and yeah. didn't mention this, maybe you should follow up with him. But. Yeah, it's tricky though, like how far does that kind of duty
2: extend?
0: And this is the problem with our system is really terrible at getting discharge summaries to people and we expect people to be in charge of their own health, which is somewhat fair. But when you're in clear denial about your seizure history or don't have the health literacy to understand what your role is in terms of booking yourself an MRI, it makes it really hard. And it makes the GP's job very difficult as well. And so even if the GP had contacted would Mr. Scott have followed up on those things? Like, there's also yeah. only so much the GP can do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Monday, the 18th of August, 2014, Mr. Scott had a further two seizures. The first occurred in the early morning while Mr. Scott was at home. His wife called the ambulance, who attended and found him lying down and awake. He denied having a seizure and seemed confused, but the history obtained from his wife gave the paramedic the opinion a seizure had occurred. hmm Mr. Scott refused a blood pressure reading and ECG and refused to attend hospital. So, at that point, the ambulance left. decided that they, he was in a frame of mind that he was able to decline that, mm-hmm. okay. and they left. About an hour later, Mr. Scott's wife called 13 Health, which was escalated to the after hours GP helpline. Can we explain that 13 Health is just a
0: um, general health advice line?
1: So, parts of the transcript of the call were included in the inquest, which was very interesting. Yeah. So, the conversation between Mrs. Scott and the after-hours GP she was talking to. So, Mrs. Scott told the doctor that in the 20 minutes since the ambulance left, he had been having the shakes and his eyes were rolling back in his head, which, quote, "...sometimes he has without a full fit in the past couple of years when he gets stressed or I don't know what happens." So, he'd probably been having lots of seizures then? Possibly, yes. Okay. Yep. Mrs. Scott was concerned because Mr. Scutt was due to be starting work soon, driving to feed cattle in a remote area. Mm. Oh, because that seems like a good idea when you might randomly become unconscious. Yeah. Uh, the doctor advised that Mr. Scutt should not be driving and should go to hospital. So, a, a conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Scott is overheard at the end of the call. When she tells him they need to go to hospital and he adamantly refuses. To the point of swearing at his wife, oh. saying, I do not want to go anywhere, you can't make me
0: Yeah, okay. Is he in his right mind if he's on and off seizing. How do you define her?
2: And you know, and the, she's probably not in a position to force him, so she's no, exactly. all yeah, and then the ambers would get there yeah. and then they wouldn't
0: be able to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So
1: like rock in a hard place, absolutely. Yeah. So, they eventually get to the point where Mrs. Scott calls the ambulance again to organise transport for him to hospital,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he at that point agreed to get in the ambulance, but uh, seemed annoyed and refused any medical examination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are just a glorified taxi at that point. Yes, yes. Oh, he that's frustrating. Like do anything. When he arrived at hospital, Mr. Scott told the doctor about his seizure in two thousand nine, but didn't mention the one in two thousand four. And the emergency doctor didn't review his hospital records to see that there was an earlier one. And His wife really needed to go with him and tell them the truth. Uh, I think maybe she was with him. Yeah, right. But they don't mention that she was involved. He mentioned that previous tests had been normal, so no referral for further investigation was made after this seizure.
0: Sure. Mm. Seems fair based on the history that the doctor got. Yeah. Just wasn't an entirely, entirely. factual history.
1: Yeah, complete. Uh, Mr. Scott was advised not to drive for two years and was encouraged to see his GP. So, at this time, the emergency doctor was not aware that she could notify Transport and Main Roads of Mr. Scott's condition. And it was only through the inquest that she was made aware that she actually had that ability to do that. Is it mandatory? It's not. I'll go into that a little bit later. Oh, okay. There's so it's no not a It's it... a good faith right. notification. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, right. But she w- didn't even know that she was able to do that. Yeah, that's... Because there wasn't enough education around and awareness it. around that. Yeah. Mr. Scott was discharged later that morning after refusing further investigation and said that he would see his GP the next day. And he wanted to be discharged so he could go to work.
0: <sighs> Which involved driving. Yeah.
1: Cattle. To to, to remote areas Tomorrow with areas. cattle. Yep. Yeah. So later that afternoon, Mr. Scott was at work on the station, checking and repairing fences with another man. Excellent. Who was driving. So Perfect. So he wasn't driving at this point. At about midday, when the other man was driving them back to the homestead, Mr. Scott had another seizure in the car. An ambulance was called and attended, and Mr. Scott agreed to be assessed, but not to be taken to hospital. He did agree to be taken to his normal medical centre so that he could be assessed by his GP. But when they got there, they arrived outside of the medical centre's opening hours, so Mr. Scott wasn't seen by his GP. But he did say he would go and see them the next day.
0: I'm assuming he didn't, though.
1: One week after these seizures, (laughs) on Monday the 25th of August, Mr. Scott went to the clinic where he was seen by his GP. Excellent. The clinical notes stated had a fit or turn on Friday, which did not correlate with the date of the seizure previously mentioned. So either this was because there was an additional episode on the Friday. Or he was still confused about what day it was. Yeah, or he just gave the GP the incorrect date. It was like, oh, you know, it was... About a week ago on Friday. I've had so many
0: of them now, I can't remember which one we're referring to. Exactly,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, mate, why were you in so much denial?
1: (sighs) It keeps going. There was no evidence that the GP had read the discharge letter from the previous Monday, and the clinical notes didn't give any further information than the very brief mention of how to fit on Friday. Okay. This was the last time Mr. Scott received any medical attention in relation to seizures until the accident on the ninth of June two thousand fifteen. And sorry, when was that last review that he just had? Uh twenty fifth of August twenty fourteen. Okay. So twelve months? Yeah. Or almost. Ten yeah. months. Ten
0: months, yeah. yeah. Sorry, thank you. For, <laughs> for specifically counting. <laughs> you know that's not my strong sense. <laughs>
1: So, the evidence heard in the inquest found that Mr. Scott's physical and mental health deteriorated in the months leading up to the accident.
0: Yeah, because he was having seizures all the time.
1: Yeah, He was withdrawn and acting paranoid, saying that the police were looking for him and that he was going to go to jail. Did he? Like, I
2: don't know, this is probably a weird question, but is it, like, scary to have a seizure? Or, like, was he really comprehending what was happening to him when it was happening?
0: So, the bit where it was combative afterwards and stuff is is not uncommon right. post a seizure because you're in this, like, confused state that can mm-hmm. sometimes take a little bit of time to wear off. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that if you're having a seizure, you kind of don't have a memory of it right. because your brain's not functioning. But if you're then repeatedly having seizures, I don't know how you, like, lay down new memory and like have a cognitive function because your brain is having to essentially hardwire. It's like turning the computer on and off again. Right. All of the time Mm -hmm. that you don't get great functioning out of. So this paranoia and stuff, is that a true mental health deterioration as a organic mental health pathology? Mm. Or is this because his brain is no longer functioning well because he's actually just having seizures all the time?
2: And then he, he uh, you, yeah, you don't know how he's associating the seizures with always being followed up by ambulance mm, people, yeah, or medical yeah. practitioners, and, like, he probably, yeah. if you don't have memory of it.
0: He just gets told you've had a fit. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I he's like, of, what are you talking
2: about? I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. And people are going to act react different ways. Like, me personally, I'd be like, Help me, like
1: yeah. what's happening? Well, I feel like...
0: bad for the poor coworker. Like, did he even mention that he'd been to hospital that morning? Like the co-worker that's driving him like... and he just had a fit yeah. would have been like whole Terrifying. what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, it it it's sad that he was in so much denial about mm-hmm. it and it doesn't appear super clear why he really wanted to pretend like it wasn't happening. Yeah.
1: So as well as acting paranoid, he mentioned for various people that he had chest pain, chest cancer, a heart attack, and bowel cancer, none of which he was ever diagnosed with. He was telling a lot of different people a lot of different things about what was going on. Uh, He also mentioned blacking out and falling onto the floor. That would almost certainly have been a seizure. His son gave evidence that he seemed very stressed in the month leading up to the accident. Uh, a number of people asked Mr. Scutt if he was okay driving, including his wife and his son. Uh, he brushed them all off.
0: That's hard. Again, when your family, like, have you guys been through family members where, like, especially once they start getting elderly, it comes to that question of should you still be driving? And mm. it's such a hard conversation to have. Mm. People don't want to lose their independence.
1: Yeah, And the evidence from the inquest was that his marriage wasn't one where his wife had that much say
0: it was an old school marriage where Yeah, where yeah. he
1: yeah. He would get annoyed or angry and just
0: And she'd just drop would, it.
1: Yeah. Just ignore her and she had not, not much to say. So yeah. So on Friday, twenty ninth of May twenty fifteen, Mr. Scott told a police officer he wanted to commit suicide and that he hadn't slept in three days. Aww. So the police talked to him and his wife and told them that he should be taken to the hospital to be assessed. So he did agree to that, and when he attended hospital, the presenting problem was recorded in the clinical notes as requesting tablets to help him sleep. Oh. So three tablets of temazepam were provided, but there was no mention of seizures or suicidal ideation. <sighs> so again, withholding information That's from medical professionals. tough. Two days later, the police officers checked in on him, and he told them that he was doing much better after a couple of nights of good sleep. So it had seemed to improve after that. Mr. Scott went to see his GP on the 4th of June for a sebaceous cyst on his back and was prescribed antibiotics. There is no record in the notes of increasing seizure activity, paranoia, or suicidal ideation. So again, not talking to his GP about what has actually been happening in his life. About a week before the accident, Mr. Scott told his wife that he was having trouble with his balance and he had fallen over. She suggested he see his GP because of his shakes. Uh, But he wouldn't listen and just talked about the police taking him away. I mean, I guess last time
0: he talked to a police officer, they made him go to hospital, so Mm -hmm. I can kind of see that association. Yeah.
1: About three days before the accident, Mrs. Scott tried to talk to Mr. Scott about his driving and that she was concerned about it, but, quote, all he did was kind of wait for me to get out of the way so he could see the TV. (laughs) (laughs) That makes Sorry. It so sad. I love how much lives are uh, dictated around the TV, TV sometimes. Yep. Mm. Yep. But so, that is yeah, devastating. She, she tried to talk to him about it, but he was not having a bar of it. He was not listening, not no. entertaining it at all. No. So on the morning of the accident, Mr. Scott called his wife while she was at work to tell her he was unwell. He sounded like he was vomiting or about to vomit. She didn't want to tell him to stay home, but asked him to go back to bed if he was feeling unwell. He also called a friend to tell them he was sick and that he was trying to get in touch with his wife. The friend told him to call the medical centre to see if a doctor could come and see him, so do a house call, mm. to which he replied, quote, yeah, righto, mate, I'll talk to you a bit later. Oh, okay. Is that a, like... That uh, could be either yeah, I'll do that, or a complete fob off. Yes. And be like, yeah, righto. It could be, it could be either. Yeah. And okay. so then at some point after that, he decided to get into his car and drive somewhere, although... We don't know where he was heading. And then the accident happened. Yeah. And then he he was was driving driving and then he turned
2: around, right? Yeah, he was
1: going out of town. Then he turned around and came back into town.
2: Because
0: he remembered the medical centre was in town? Possibly, yes.
2: Or he suddenly was really not feeling well, so he was going to drive back home. Yeah, or go to the medical centre.
1: or Mm, Who knows? I don't know. Immediately after the accident, Mr. Scott seemed confused, incoherent, and he actually thought he was at the medical centre. Right. Okay. So he probably was He probably was there trying to store, get there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an ECG and an echocardiogram showed no abnormalities, so a heart attack or arrhythmia was ruled out as the cause of the accident. So a mental health assessment was performed after the accident. His wife advised the psychiatrist that Two episodes of twitching after the last hospital visit in August 2014 were not investigated in a hospital. He had been having intermittent shakes for the past two months. A history of paranoid behaviour for the last three months. Frequent complaints of nausea, muscle aches and shoulder pain. Headaches after the shaking episodes and sleep disturbance for the last three months. So the inquest evidence also showed that Mr. Scott had, had at least one episode of a blackout while a passenger in a car, it was while his wife was driving, uh, and that he had told his wife he'd run off the road while driving his car at one point.
0: <gasps> why did he get back in Which
1: the vehicle? Which is clearly why his wife was trying to talk to him about not driving. I think some
2: people are just so stubborn and they don't <sighs> think about the consequences mm. beyond themselves.
0: But the consequence to himself was still there. If he ran off the road, he knows he can still harm himself.
2: But I think that's a risk that he... But also, it sounds like that morning he wasn't
0: particularly in his right mind anyway. that's true. Even if he had elected not to drive generally other times that particular day, he was not... He wasn't able to make sensible decisions anyway.
1: Yeah. So, Mr. Scott was charged with three offences after the accident dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, and two counts of dangerous operation of a motor vehicle causing death or grievous bodily harm. These charges were referred to the Mental Health Court on the 9th of February 2017, and on the 7th of September 2018, it was determined that Mr. Scott was not suffering from unsoundness of mind at the time of the accident, but that he was unfit for trial, so the charges were dropped. Yep. Unfit for trial on what grounds? It didn't go into why. Okay.
0: He subsequently died. Maybe he is...
1: Yeah, so on the yeah. 1st of August 2019, so about a year after the charges were dropped, he passed away with his cause of death given as aspiration pneumonia due to or as a cause of epilepsy. Yeah. So at the inquest, a neurologist specialising in epilepsy reviewed Mr. Scott's medical records and the evidence that was presented at inquest. He stated that Mr. Scott met the necessary criteria to be diagnosed as epileptic and that this diagnosis should have been made after the seizure in 2014. Yeah. So they sort of talked about the one in 2004 and the one in 2009 were separate enough that they could be both classed as first seizures, but then the, the ones in 2014 where he had two on the same day.
0: Yeah, yeah and there were multiple point, episodes and people yeah. were saying, you know, this might not be, this might be an ongoing issue yeah. and all that kind of
1: stuff. Yeah. Uh, the coroner found that Mr. Scott was not fit to drive at the time of the accident and should not have held an unconditional driver's license.
0: I think again, that's a really hard one because even if his license had been taken off of him,
1: if he still had access to a vehicle, yeah, he was still going to drive it. He may have, yeah, been non-compliant with that anyway. But yeah. So on the twenty-fourth of December two thousand eight, Mister Scott renewed his driver's license. So this was after one seizure. Yeah, he was required to disclose whether he had then or previously had epilepsy, to which he answered no. Which, I which mean, is, is true. Accurate. He yeah. doesn't have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the neurologist at the inquest said that that was correct. Yeah. Because he had not been diagnosed with epilepsy. Yeah. And because he'd ha- only had one isolated seizure at yep. that point. As part of his renewal, he was also asked to disclose whether he had any medical condition that was likely to adversely affect his ability to drive safely, to which he answered no. So the coroner sort of looked into this and said that he was. it was correct from his Mr. Scott's perspective as only one seizure had occurred and it had been mm-hmm. fully investigated with no underlying cause. So there was no, nothing to indicate that this would be an ongoing problem. Yeah, And at that point, 2008, the seizure was four years ago. Yeah, exactly. And it
0: was one and single one. one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so the next licence renewal was on the 16th of January 2014, which asked if he had been diagnosed with epilepsy or experienced a seizure at any time. Yeah, so they okay. clearly updated these questions. And I so, assume he lied. Yes, he answered no. Okay. So it was technically correct that he didn't have epilepsy, but it was incorrect that he had never had a seizure. Mm-hmm, yeah. So he should have answered yes to that question. As of the 14th of August, 2014, the date of the two seizures, Mr. Scott was obliged to report his condition to the transport and main roads for a 28-day immediate suspension and consideration of a conditional license for non-driving period of 12 months. And he did not comply with that.
0: Yeah, but who knows that they're obliged to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, do you know
1: what reasons you're obliged to notify
0: the Department of Transport that you shouldn't hold a a license? No, I don't know exactly.
1: that. There are, yeah, there's a few things that you can sort of think of, but I wouldn't know the comprehensive list. Like seizures, yeah, I, I issues. So if you seizures anything, though, do
0: you, do you know that you need to notify them, or do you just do the responsible thing and not drive?
2: I I assume you need to, need to notify. Yeah, them. I would assume you needed to yeah. notify them for seizures. Let me try to rephrase it as like. But would you notify them? Because talking
0: to the Department of Transport is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Or would that's, you or just possibly not? Or would you just
2: not do the drive. responsible thing and not drive? Yeah, that's. And I think that that's a different question. I would yeah. assume yeah. that
0: ninety percent of people are going to elect the easy option there.
2: Yeah, and I agree. With because yeah, the You know that you're going to have to jump through hoops to get your license back. Like, yeah,
0: I just, I just leave it until my next renewal and then deal with it then.
2: Yeah, or at least that would be
0: what I think I would potentially and I think do a, unless someone told me about the obligation to disclose yeah. I yeah. wouldn't otherwise know to go look that up or mm. or be proactive about it I would be proactive about the safety to myself and others not about the obligatory paperwork
2: mm. yeah I understand that because I think it's the same with you know if you need glasses to drive like if you go to your optometrist appointment and the Optometrist is like, yeah, you need glasses to drive. I think you're technically obliged to report that yeah. at that point in time to the Department of Transport. Most people don't. They just wait until their next renewal. Yeah, and yeah, And just yeah, wear yeah. the glasses in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. Be the respons- do the responsible thing and wear the glasses, but you're not going to necessarily inform the Department of Transport at that yeah. exact moment, in, moment time in time when you've, you know. Got better things to do. Exactly. Yeah. Just... A reporter in two years' time, when you got a new when it's mandatory and you have to go into the department exactly, of the and you have to go through
1: the whole
0: kit yeah, anyway. But so anyway.
1: one of the key parts of this inquest was whether the existing legislation, where medical practitioners can make a voluntary notification to the like whatever licensing authority there is, should be amended so that there was a positive duty to inform them of a license holder's inability to drive. So making that an obligation, mm-hmm. if they can establish a streamlined way of doing that. Yeah, so the coroner found that the current system for the exchange of information between medical practitioners and TMR is sufficient in terms of they have the ability to make that notification and they shouldn't be obliged to do it. Yeah. Right. The obligation is on the person mm. to do that, not their doctor. Like, so their doctor can definitely do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, if right. They're concerned to that They may yeah, not draw. Yeah, like if, yeah and right. like you might do that in a case where you think someone is not going to comply with the Direction you give them. Like, in this case, maybe the emergency doctor who heard that he only stopped driving for one month after his yeah. previous seizure might have then decided to do that. In fact, yeah. she said she was, no, she was the one who didn't know that that was a possibility. And, like, and the coroner did go into the fact that even if the doctors had made that notification to Transport and Main Roads, he probably would have still driven. Still driven. Yeah. But at yeah. that point, potentially, it may have been noticed by the police. Yeah. And he may have been stopped from driving in that way. He might have been pulled over. And it's a small town. community town. Like, do yeah. you not exactly. think the that police would be everyone the would know who... who can drive and who can't?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, just who people are. And so if they saw him in a vehicle, they'd be like, mate, yeah, you know
1: you're, you're not meant to do, to do that. that. Yeah. So in terms of the GP's treatment of Mr. Scott, the coroner found that his overall care and treatment were adequate after the 2004 and 2009 seizures. Mm-hmm. Up until him becoming aware of the discharge letter from the 2009 seizure. So not following up with Mr. Scott after reading this discharge letter fell short of adequate and appropriate medical care and treatment. In terms of the 2014 seizures, the GP's care and treatment were also not adequate or appropriate. There was no evidence of the GP treating Mr. Scott for epilepsy or seizure activity or providing any advice that he stopped driving.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting that by that point no one considered that maybe you should have some medicine to see if that will help your... Seizure activity.
1: Yeah, which I I don't know whether that's the emergency doctors then discharging him to the care of his GP. Yeah. Thinking that his GP was then going to follow up with anything needed, which may Mm. include medication, but it never never happened.
0: But yeah, he was not disclosing a lot of information, so I guess that's hard as well.
1: Yeah. So the coroner found that although the GP was not under any obligation to notify Transport and Main Roads of Mr. Scott's seizures, he should have made a good faith notification to the department. But, again, it comes back to having that conversation about the seizures and actually being able to engage with your patient about that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really hard when you're in a rural town. If you're one of very few doctors trying to continue a therapeutic relationship with a patient, if Mr. then found out that his GP had made a notification, Mm. that would have put him in a really tough spot in terms of ongoing care. So it's really hard from that perspective as well Mm -hmm. because you do it – Without telling them, or do you try to tell them that you're doing it and risk getting them offside anyway? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard.
1: The coroner's opinion was that medical practitioners should not be obligated to notify a transport on main roads of an illness, disability, or deficiency that would be likely to endanger the public because there are already protocols in place which allow them to use their own judgment and experience to determine whether a voluntary notification should be made. Mm-hmm. And they sort of touched on that, you know, doctor patient relationship. Yeah, As to, you know, if you've had that conversation with your patient and they seem like they're going to be compliant with not driving or you tell them, hey, you need to report Notify. this and they say, yes, I'll do that, then you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. So the inquest found gaps in terms of educating medical practitioners about making good faith voluntary notifications and the pathway by which that could be done. One of the coroner's key points was about whether patient care can be better triaged and managed mm-hmm. between systems. Because, yes. Yeah. So Mr. Scott was lost to both the hospital system and his GP in terms of any long-term monitoring and care and treatment plan, and every event occurred and was treated in isolation. Mm. Yeah. So he was never assessed as a, as a whole. It was just always his individual yeah. circumstances.
0: But yet he did have a regular GP, which like is yeah. meant to kind of capture that. Exactly.
1: But yeah. if the GP is not proactive about it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, so the coroner requested that the transport and main roads take the role as lead agency in the formation of an interagency working group made up of relevant stakeholders. So including, I think, APRA yep. and a few other sort of medical
0: services and stuff.
1: Yeah. Cool. So the coroner's recommendations were... That the working group develop an ongoing education and awareness campaign directed to all medical practitioners in Queensland Mm -hmm. and that it be specifically developed to educate them about the pathways that already exist to report patients directly to the licensing authority Mm -hmm. in circumstances where, you know, they're they're looking at that fitness to drive and those guidelines. Yeah. Uh, That a working group of relevant stakeholders review the current standards and guidelines in terms of continuity of care Discharge and handovers relevant between doctors and patients, and doctors and doctors, and hospitals and general practitioners. So, related to that one, the coroner noted that the Cairns Hinterland Hospital and Health Service have developed and implemented a procedure for discharge summary distribution with an emphasis on the communication between doctors and patients and doctors and doctors for ongoing care. So, there were a few things that changed. A last recommendation was that consideration be given to a community campaign targeted at license holders, so the public, Mm -hmm. reminding them of their obligations to report to TMR any medical events, including seizures and epilepsy, which may impact on their fitness to drive. And I don't know that I have seen any of that. I didn't look into whether it had actually been launched. But personally, I don't think I... I just
2: don't know the value of that. I just think, as a person who drives, if I had a medical episode like that... Meant that I had to report something to the transport authority. I don't know. Like, I agree. Yeah. I just feel like I just, I'd want to take it on myself.
0: I wouldn't feel like
2: that's exactly
1: right. Like, and if you're responsible enough to stop driving, yeah. Or oh, as in like if you're if you're the sort of person who's still gonna keep driving after that, you're probably the same sort of person who's not going to report it.
0: Exactly. And then if you are gonna stop driving, then you're probably responsible enough to report it, but also it changes nothing then. Mm. Like there's no
1: No.
2: And like there's no if you're having to that. like seizures or epilepsy or whatever You've had this major life change you just found out about. Like, yeah, you're probably you, trying to process that. And then to have your license taken away. Like, I'm not saying you would drive. Like, I'm not advocating for that. But then to have something else stripped away from you.
0: Yeah, the like, suspension of it versus yeah, we encourage you to make sure you're not having ongoing seizures before you get back in a vehicle.
2: Yeah. it just It's a tricky one. I don't know. It is tricky. So, I don't know, like, how. how you personally manage it. And six months is a no, I just, very I, I, long time. I don't know how that sort of count How successful that sort
0: of campaign would be. Yeah. Also like it's an interesting time period. I don't know what the stats are around people having seizures, but he had his first one and then a the second one 5 years later. Yeah. So that first bit of 6 months didn't necessarily achieve a lot and Yeah. Yeah, like what the statistics of having another in the first 6 months mm. are and all that kind of stuff in terms of and I'm sure that there's a regulation out there that's been chosen for a specific reason yeah. but yeah it's one of those interesting ones
1: and i'm also not sure what the guidelines are from the transport and main roads perspective in terms of you have one seizure because you, you go into that 28 day you definitely mm-hmm. cannot drive your license is suspended but then they yeah. you then have to go through that sort yeah, of what's the information process? gathering for they work out how many times have you had a seizure and is there any underlying cause so you may get your license back after those 28 days
0: yeah but yeah. I but are you it's... meant to drive at that point? And does that actually make it more confusing for the for the patient? Possibly, yeah. In terms of oh, I got my license then... back, so I can I'm cool to drive. But also, the doctor encouraged me not to for six yeah, months. Yeah, so then yeah, yeah, that makes it hard as well. Confusion there.
1: So yes, that was the inquest into Nicole and Margaret.
0: Did they go into much more about the devastation in terms of other individuals and in that? Because presumably, whilst Nicole and Margaret actually passed away, mm. there would have been a huge amount of injury
1: to other people as well. Yeah, they didn't really go into that very much. I think they were just focusing mainly on, like, the fitness to drive and, Stuff. and that sort of thing. But, yeah, a small community.
0: Yeah, that would have been would such have been, a significant portion yeah, of their community. An event.
1: And, like, so many people would have known people involved or mm-hmm. been involved in rescuing people from the cafe and mm.
0: Just established their own burns clinic in the rural town because, yeah, well, apparently it would be um, a percentage of the population, that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: There was some news footage, and the, the first paramedic who got there was a, the only paramedic there for I think about 15 minutes because he was the only one around in town, yeah. But everyone who was there, like the community that was there, were sort of coming to me like, What do we need to do?
0: Yeah, tell me, mm-hmm. yeah, assign me where water, to go,
1: let's get some hoses, like yeah oh, that so would have been a, an how army do you, of helpers
0: one single individual trying to manage 19 people all with yep burns yep and all i think terrified like, about what had happened because you wouldn't have understood what yeah. or yeah. why because that was behind the building so people are scared it happen
1: again yeah, yeah well, like, like, there was another, a there a was another gas bottle that mm-hmm. was unruptured Oh, that would have that, been terrible. There was actually someone who worked in one of the businesses nearby, got a garden hose and was hosing down that other gas bottle.
0: Is to that make safe? sure it didn't get
1: Oh, Ignited. definitely not for them, but to make sure it didn't get hot. Yeah. And explode. Okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I think and even before, you know, the ambulance arrived or they called Triple Zero as soon as the explosion happened, there were people with like people getting water the The bakery next door, they got their fire hose and just and sp- we well, like started spraying people outside. <laughs> are the they door. really
0: powerful? Are they like a really a high bit, jet? Yeah,
1: it was like a distance away. But yeah, so there was a lot of people that stepped in to help that day. What was the population of that community? Uh, I think it's around nine hundred
0: okay. at the so time. That is such a benefit of some of those small communities, yeah. though, right? But, when you kind of have yeah. an idea about, you may not necessarily know them, but you've got an idea of who they are or yeah. who they're related to in a community that I imagine the community spirit would have been absolutely light that day. Yeah, also and it would have been
1: devastation. would have been hard for them as well, because so many of them knew Mr. Scott as well, like had been yeah. friends with him for many, many years. Yeah. So to know that he was the person who had caused this.
0: Yeah. I Yeah, I don't know. For me, i I got to keep reminding myself, he was unwell. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, he was, you know, he, there was no intent. No. He should have not denied his epilepsy and... Mm taken more advocacy for his health but he was still unwell either yep. way
1: and he still hadn't been followed up by his GP yeah adequately mm.
0: to help with that yeah so there so. was
1: again Swiss cheese model of lots of different things <sighs>
0: always every contributing.
1: week every week yep
0: oh right, well, thank you very much so, yeah
2: listening. that was a very interesting one
0: I'm frustrated but somewhat understanding as well yeah. at the same time which is probably most weeks as well. well yeah, yeah
1: that's
2: true <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah.
1: That's it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. No
2: worries. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.